The people of Ukraine remain unbowed and unbroken in the face of Putin's vigorous onslaught. We can't walk away now. And that's what Putin is betting on. He's betting on we're going to walk away. We in the United States are going to continue to ensure that Putin pays the price for his aggression abroad and repression at home. Well, I hope so. We'll see if folks on the left agree. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. Barely. But I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the Bradcast. That's heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Fairmont, West Virginia's WEFR, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites blanketing planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Suffering with a sinus infection today. Please forgive me, but Desi Doyen, do stand by in case I have a <laughs> coughing, sneezing, sniffling uh, fit or just pass out okay. from lack of sleep. You'll no be... problem. I'll be here. All right. <laughs> Desi Doyen is standing by. Welcome to the Bradcast. Glad to have you here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you heard President Biden mention at the top of uh, at the top of the show there. Uh about what we are doing for Ukraine, what we must do for Ukraine as he sees it and, frankly, as I see it. You may not see it that way. If so, I would love to take your call a little bit later this hour at 818-985-KPFK. That's 818-985-5735 if you think we should stop funding Ukraine uh, in their uh, defense against their uh, foreign uh, neighbor invasion in uh, in Russia. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And when you call in, by the way, 818-985-5735, since we are on Fun Drive here, remember to hit button number one to get on the air, but hit button number two if you're able to help uh, keep this station live and uh, on your public airwaves, we could use your support. Anyway... Uh, Before we get to uh, Russia and Ukraine and all of that, on Saturday, Republicans in South Carolina had uh, cast their vote at the polls on 100 percent unverifiable computer touchscreen voting systems. And they were tallied by optical scan computer systems and nobody in the party 
including Donald Trump, bothered to complain about any of it, even after claiming for years now that such systems result only in fraudulent elections. But perhaps that's because Donald Trump reportedly won the South Carolina Republican primary on Saturday, so everything was fine. By a margin of 20 points or so, winning essentially 60 60 percent to 40 percent over his last standing challenger, that would be former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. And while Trump has now been victorious in all five Republican nominating contests to date, he still seems to be getting no more than about 60 percent of the vote of Republicans, with about 40 percent of the party opposed to him, despite him running as a de facto incumbent. Normally, five victories and a 60-40 victory uh, in South Carolina would be enough to largely end such a primary contest. But in this case, it may not, given that the GOP's de facto incumbent seems to have about 40 percent of his own party that consistently votes against him again and again to date. Now, compare that with President Biden, the actual incumbent on the Democratic side. He received about 95 percent. In the one Democratic contest to date, still, that did not prevent the New York Times from misleading readers yet again. In their uh, results articles for the uh, for the Democratic primary in South Carolina earlier in February, the Times reported that Joe Biden won 95 percent of the vote, which was described by the New York Times as, quote, an uncertain measure of wider enthusiasm. Wait, 95 percent of the vote is an uncertain measure of voter enthusiasm? At, over at the New York Times? <laughs> Apparently so. But Trump on Saturday, also at the New York Times, well, he fell just shy of 60 percent in the results on Saturday. 60 percent, not 95 percent, but 60 percent. And the New York Times described the victory as a, quote, crushing blow that has him, quote, barreling toward the nomination. Oh, you liberal New York Times, you are darling. Of course, Trump is trying to argue that the race is uh, all over, even though 1,215 delegates are needed to win the nomination. Following Saturday's contest in South Carolina, Trump now has 110 delegates. Nikki Haley has 20. Quote, today is not the end of our story, Haley declared after her loss on Saturday, vowing to continue on despite failing to win with, uh, win any of the contests so far. Though on Monday, the Koch Network, which had been backing her, said they planned to stop doing so to move that money towards congressional and state races. Saturday, by the way, was also the first day of the Wyoming GOP county conventions, which will select 23 of the state's 29 Republican delegates over the next two weeks. And just to help you set your calendars for the next week or two, yeah, go ahead, get out your calendars, get out a pen, get out a piece of paper, because this is really complicated. This week, uh, Michigan Republicans will award delegates in their uh, Tuesday primary. Uh, they They will award delegates in the Tuesday primary, but also and more so in a statewide convention on Saturday. So the Republican primary is on Tuesday, February 27 in Michigan, in which all voters can participate. And a statewide Republican convention will be on Saturday, which is limited to elected party loyalists. In fact, 
it looks like there's going to be two statewide conventions on Saturday in Michigan on the Republican side, as the Michigan GOP is currently split between two different warring factions claiming to be the real Michigan Republican Party. Which convention could I uh, should I recommend that you Republicans in Michigan go to? I have no idea. Good luck to you. In any event, most of the delegates by far in Michigan on the Republican side will be awarded at one or maybe both, I don't know, of those conventions by party loyalists, followed by a legal battle, I suspect. But yes, Trump has rigged that state as well, just as he did in Nevada, where delegates were only awarded at the state's caucuses, which he participated in. And no delegates were awarded via the state-run primary in Nevada, which Haley participated in, but Trump didn't after he had pushed the state to only allow delegates to be awarded via the caucuses, but disallowing any candidates on that ballot in the caucuses if they were on the primary ballot. Not disarrayed at all over on the Republican side, are they? As large as uh, Haley's loss was in her own home state on South Carolina on Saturday, polls suggest she could face even larger defeats in contests on March 5. That is next Tuesday, Super Tuesday. That said, the polling, uh, all the polls have been overestimating Donald Trump's performances in the nominating contest to date. They have been inflating Trump's support by anywhere from five to eight points or so as compared to how voters actually voted for him in those primaries and caucuses so far. Nonetheless, there are enough delegates up for grabs next week on Super Tuesday, uh, and Trump has rigged the primaries enough to mandate winner-take-all in most of those primaries that, well, he could wrap up the number of delegates needed to secure the nomination on Super Tuesday or at least get very close to it. That's March 5, Super Tuesday, and uh, it will be the last day to vote in 16 states and territories holding their 2024 primaries all on the same day in Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, out here in California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, and American Samoa, all voting next Tuesday. We'll have results on this show as they are known on Wednesday. <laughs> Wish us luck. That's a lot to keep track of. Now, out here in California, registered voters should have already received their vote-by-mail ballot by now. Here's a tip. The best way to optimize the odds of your ballot being counted as cast is actually to uh, fill it out by hand and drop it off in person at a voting center or a drop box. If you are not registered to vote, you may still do so right now through Election Day at any voting center. You can uh, register on the day that you go to vote. Though you may be forced to vote on an unverifiable touchscreen voting system out here in L.A. County at one of those voting centers where you can vote even if you received a vote-by-mail ballot but did not mail it in. You can't vote twice. For those people who do not have uh, confidence in vote-by-mail ballots or don't want to drop off a verifiable hand-marked paper ballot in person, you can go in and vote on one of these touchscreens. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do it. If you didn't receive a ballot 
and are registered, there is still time to either request one from your local registrar or you can go into a vote center and vote there. For more information in Los Angeles, you can go to lavote.gov. Please note, there are also four other nominating contests that will be held before Super Tuesday. Idaho and Missouri will hold Republican caucuses on Saturday, March 2, the same day as Michigan's Republican convention. Republicans in Washington, D.C. will vote in a primary on March 3. That's a Sunday, I guess, two days before Super Tuesday, just to make sure their voters are the most confused. And North Dakota will host caucuses on March 4. Got all of that? Also worth watching at Tuesday's primary in Michigan. Democrats will be voting in primaries as well. And on the Democratic side, some progressive activists, including Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and the mayor of Dearborn, Michigan, I believe it is the uh, most populous uh, Arab American community in the nation, uh, they are urging Arab American voters to select the uncommitted option on the ballot to protest Joe Biden's position on Israel's war in Gaza. And then in non-election-related calendar news in the days ahead, uh, this Wednesday, February 28th, the House returns from its two-week recess just two days before the first of two government shutdown deadlines. Yes, we're doing that again. Republican leaders have said they will not support another stopgap, a short-term stopgap funding bill. Nonetheless, the schedule affords them little time to negotiate and somehow pass a full spending package. Pressure, pressure will also resume for lawmakers to approve a desperately needed Ukraine aid package, which also includes some funding for Israel and Taiwan. Should Speaker Mike Johnson in the House deign to allow the, uh, the, uh, to allow the House floor to vote uh, up or down on that measure? A lot more on that issue in a moment. This Friday, March 1, the first tranche of government funding bills covering things like the Department of Agriculture, Energy, Veterans Affairs, Transportation, Housing and Urban Development. This Friday, the, uh, that first tranche of funding bills expires, meaning those agencies will have to shut down unless Congress extends their funding. And this is kind of fun in a morbid sense, I guess, because at the end of the last year, House Republicans had only agreed to a stopgap spending measure to keep the government open for a few months by insisting on splitting the bill into two separate funding packages. One for largely domestic social spending related programs, such as those coming due now at the end of this week, and one for military defense, border security related items. They figured they would put, you know, through the defense stuff first, and then maybe we'll see, no rush, consider the domestic social spending eventually that they so much want to cut entirely. Well, apparently Republicans in the House are so inept at governing, they accidentally passed those two things in reverse order. When they adopted the uh, continuing resolution to keep the government open for a few more months at the end of last year. So the domestic and social spending stuff, that's going to come first. And to get to the defense stuff, they'll have to go through the stuff they want to slash on the social spending side uh, or not fund at all. So oops. Also, President Biden on Friday is set to deliver his State of the Union address. 
this Friday, March 1, the day of the first possible government shutdown. So there should be a lot of drama on Friday, I guess. I guess get your popcorn. And I'm sorry if you're any of the people that would be harmed by the government shutdown. Yep. Make preparations just in case. And in uh, just over a month from now, by the way, in, in a few short weeks, Monday, March 25, the first of Donald Trump's four criminal trials. Uh, this one, the New York case stemming from the hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniel to help him cheat to win the 2016 election. That uh, trial is going to start uh, at the moment. It doesn't look like there's a lot of legal maneuvers that might prevent that one, at least, from staying on schedule. Uh, and it's going to run for a whole bunch of weeks, I think like 11 of them, as I recall. So, yeah, it's going to be very busy around here over the next many weeks and in all three branches of government because we also are continuing to wait from to hear from the Supreme Court, perhaps at any moment. How will the corrupted right Supreme Court rule in two different Trump-related cases that are before it right now? One on whether Trump is barred from the ballot altogether under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which, as the Constitution states clearly, bars insurrectionists from public office. Though the so-called conservatives on the high court, based on their questioning at uh, oral argument a few weeks ago, they, they plan to avoid the actual text and the meaning of the actual Constitution in order to find a way for Trump to stay on the ballot anyway. And we are waiting on their decision regarding presidential immunity. Trump's argument that presidents are allowed to violate any and all crimes they wish while serving in office, including murdering their political opponents. Yes, Trump's lawyers actually argued that in court. So a decision on that matter is currently keeping Trump's federal criminal trial for his attempts to steal the 2020 election on pause. But the court is expected to reject Trump's argument in the immunity matter, uh, though dissenters on the court right now may be holding up the issuance of the court's decision on that matter. So, yeah, a busy few weeks and months ahead of us, even as wars rage in Ukraine and Gaza and as Republicans in Congress refuse to take action to save lives and democracy itself in Ukraine, which we haven't discussed in, in, in a while on this show, but I'd like to today, as that war officially now enters its third year following Russia's invasion of its sovereign neighbor. Remember, it was predicted they'd take down Kiev in a week's time. Well, here we are, year number three. The U.S. and European Union on Friday heaped hundreds of new sanctions on Russia in connection with the second anniversary of its invasion of Ukraine and in retaliation for the, deaths of for the death of longtime Kremlin critic and democracy champion Alexei Navalny last week in an Arctic penal colony. The U.S. government imposed roughly 600 new sanctions on Russia and its war machine in the largest single round of penalties since Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24, 2022. They come on the heels of a series of new arrests and indictments announced by the DOJ last Thursday that target Russian businessmen, including the head of Russia's second largest bank. And they come on the heels of charges against a U.S.-Israeli citizen by the name of Alexander Smirnov for lying to federal agents about Joe Biden and his son Hunter receiving $5 million each in bribes from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. 
Turns out, that was a lie. The claim, however, was at the heart of a years-long effort by Donald Trump and Republicans and right-wing media outlets and apparently the Kremlin itself to try and meddle in U.S. politics by hoping to damage Joe Biden. Smirnov was arrested and charged last week after what the Donald Trump-appointed DOJ prosecutor who charged him, who also charged Hunter Biden, by the way, on tax and gun-related charges that I suspect are going to be tossed out soon. But he was charged after Smirnov uh, admitted that he received the false information about these non-existent bribes from top Russian intelligence operatives. And as I discussed on this program last week, the arrest made very clear that if there was still any question that the U.S. has been the target for at least a decade, a target of a Russian intelligence operation with active measures underway to interfere with our 2016 election, with our 2020 election, and of course now the 2024 election, with the attempts to impeach Joe Biden for what we now know to be a lie hatched by Russian intelligence and spread by Fox News and by too many on the left. I'll get to that in a moment. And put those Kremlin talking points and disinformation straight into the mouth of our former president and into the committee rooms of Congress led by the House GOP and then echoed, by the way, credulously by our mainstream corporate media in this country as if could they be real? We don't know. There's no hard proof yet that Joe Biden got $5 million from Burisma. Not yet. Not yet. Not at all. To the point where I still don't think the mainstream corporate media in this country fully appreciate how they were ultimately used as useful idiots by the Kremlin. As to the new sanctions announced on Friday, the Biden administration, as AP reports, is seeking to demonstrate its unwavering support for Ukraine, even though Republican lawmakers allied with former President Trump and, yes, Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin, whether they know it or not, are blocking vital additional U.S. military aid as the horrific war enters its third year. President Biden said the sanctions come in response to Putin's, quote, brutal war of conquest and to Navalny's death, adding that, quote, we in the U.S. are going to continue to ensure that Putin pays a price for his aggression abroad and repression at home. My number, by the way, is 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735, if you would like to ring in on any of this. The Biden administration is levying additional sanctions, even as House Republicans continue to block billions of dollars in additional aid to Ukraine. And as the uh, Putin's war itself is becoming entangled in U.S. election year politics, with former President Donald Trump voicing skepticism about the benefits of the NATO alliance and saying that he would, quote, encourage, encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want to NATO countries. Biden on Friday called again on Congress to pass Ukraine aid, which has stalled since House Speaker Mike Johnson blocked votes on aid that were passed by the Senate for Ukraine and other countries. Quote, Russia is taking Ukraine territory for the first time in months, 
said Joe Biden. But here in America, the Speaker gave the House a two-week vacation. They have to come back and get this done, he said, because failure to support Ukraine in this critical moment will never be forgotten in history. And he is right. We will look back on this failure, this shameful failure, I fear, in the darkest of terms in years to come, unless Republicans in the House come around and do the right thing by supporting our Democratic allies who are willing to fight for themselves in what has become an existential battle to defend democracy itself in Europe and now even here at home. So we discussed last week on the broadcast what is now revealing itself to be a decade-long Russian intelligence op that America has fallen prey to, in no small part thanks to Republicans from Trump to Congress via, of course, the right-wing media sphere that has helped to spread it all. But never mind the, uh, that the corrupt Republican Party is now doing the Kremlin's bidding in the halls of Congress, even as tens of thousands pay the ultimate price in Ukraine. I'd like to talk today about how horrifically misleading the arguments have now become from folks on the supposed left regarding Ukraine. Because if I don't, frankly, who will? Well, maybe hopefully you will if you'd like to. 818-985-5735 if you want to ring in on what I'm about to talk about today on either side of the conversation. 818-985-KPFK. I'm talking about the folks on the supposed progressive left, which, by the way, I include myself among. The folks who correctly oppose the U.S and its imperialist invasion of a sovereign foreign nation just a few years ago when it was the U.S. that was attacking Iraq, for example. But with Russia, now the imperialist nation attacking its peaceful, democratic, sovereign foreign neighbor, many on the left seem to have tossed all of those principles out the window for some strange strange reason, and they are demanding that the invaded country, that would be Ukraine in this case, fight for its own national sovereignty and to protect, uh, fighting to, for, for its own national sovereignty and protecting all of Europe from Vladimir Putin's rising totalitarian dictatorship, they are now insisting that Ukraine should somehow roll over to the aggressors. Even as they fight without asking for any U.S. or European lives, outside of their country to join that fight. They just ask for arms to help defend themselves and humanitarian aid to help feed their people as they are under siege. But for some really weird reason, there are a whole bunch of folks on the left that are insisting that Ukraine turn over huge portions of their own country to somehow appease the invaders, as if that it would be peace somehow as if the invaders will end with that deadly, stolen, criminal victory, as if they won't then march into Moldova or Poland or Czechoslovakia or Finland next. I received a note from a longtime, previously good progressive here in Southern California. I believe he's a longtime KPFK listener as well. His name is Jim. I'm not going to mention his last name because I'm not trying to embarrass him, but I do wish... To talk to my own peeps here, the folks on the progressive left who have been so 
woefully disinformed via Kremlin talking points that they seem to have forgotten what it is they stand for. And of course, the saddest part is, I honestly do not think those folks understand how they are being used as dupes and useful idiots by the Kremlin. So Jim sent me an email citing an opinion piece in The Hill over the weekend, arguing that those of us who believe Ukraine should be aided in their fight for, them, for their, their fight for themselves in favor of democracy and against fascist, autocratic, invading neighbors are just doing so because uh, we are, as the headline in The Hill says, privileged enough to be willing to, quote, fight to the last Ukrainian. You may have heard that quote before. It's been used a lot over the past several months and now years of Putin's assault on Ukraine. As the opinion writer in The Hill argues, if the idea of supporting the Ukraine war with Russia was to, quote, save the people of Ukraine and the country's infrastructure, then those who advocated for that course of action have failed miserably. The writer goes on to ask if any of that matters to the, quote, privileged and neocon class on both sides of the Atlantic who from the safety of thousands of miles away, continually advocate for the youth of Ukraine to march into the teeth of the Russian war machine. The writer then offers a familiar argument heard from both the far right and, yes, from the far left. And coincidentally, as luck would have it, directly from the Kremlin itself. That, quote, if they have no regard for the hundreds of thousands of dead and wounded, for the leveled infrastructure, for the six million plus who have fled Ukraine, or for the billions of U.S. tax dollars, then what is their opinion with regard to triggering World War III? It's literally the argument straight out of the Kremlin. It's echoed that argument by both the right and, sadly, the left. Even though nobody wants World War III, but nobody is forcing the youth of Ukraine to march into the Russian war machine. Other than Russia, by the way, they are. But those of us who think that uh, Ukraine should be allowed to defend themselves if they choose to, which they have valiantly now for more than two years from an invasion they ne neither caused nor invited that somehow we are the privileged and amusingly the neocon class, really? It's quite amusing because uh, if only this particular piece in The Hill sent to me by an actual progressive, citing it, I guess, favorably, or at least a one-time progressive, to argue against my position on Ukraine, that article in The Hill was actually written by a guy named Doug McKinnon. He used to work for the Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush White Houses and the Pentagon of the Bush administration. He was press secretary to Bob Dole. But he's the guy progressives are citing now on Ukraine to support their position. He's the one who's worried about the privileged and the neocons. And he's being promoted by a supposed lefty for these peaceful views on Ukraine. Really? Anyway, I want to focus on the claim included in the headline of that Hill piece. It was sent to me by Jim to, quote, raise your privileged hand if you're willing to fight to the last Ukrainian. In fact... Jim's email to me including nothing, included nothing more than a link to that article with a subject line on the email that read, quote, Raise that hand, Brad. 
And I honestly believe that Jim has no idea that he is literally helping to circulate literal Kremlin propaganda on that fight to the last Ukrainian line. I suspect Doug McKinnon does know it. I don't know if Jim does. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I'd like to think he doesn't. And I'd like to think that many of the folks that you may hear echoing these exact same lines, including folks you will hear right here on my own flagship station in, in Los Angeles, on KPFK, and probably across many other Pacifica affiliate stations, maybe they don't realize that this disinformation comes literally straight out of the Kremlin, but it does. As the Washington Post reported in an exclusive last week, uh, headlined, Kremlin runs disinformation campaign to undermine Zelensky, documents show. Kremlin instructions to circulate pretty much all of the talking points that I just mentioned, that McKinnon on the right passed along to Hill readers, and that Jim on the left then passed on to me, these are all now well documented as being ordered specifically by the Kremlin, making their way onto social media and then into the mouths of knowing or unknowing useful idiots. The Post writes in their exclusive, the Kremlin instruction resulted in thousands of social media posts and hundreds of fabricated articles created by troll farms and circulated in Ukraine and across Europe. The files numbering more than 100 documents were shared with the Post to expose for the first time the scale of Kremlin propaganda targeting Zelensky with the aim of dividing and destabilizing Ukrainian society. Efforts that Moscow dubbed, quote, information psychological operations. The article goes on to list Moscow's four key objectives, as detailed by the document, which, quote, show that progress was monitored at near-weekly Kremlin meetings, where the strategists gave presentations showcasing the most widely read posts that they planted in social media. Among the material they highlighted was a top post they cited of a fake video on Telegram, claiming that the main war aim of authorities in Kiev was, quote, to fight to the last Ukrainian. That's the exact argument that appeared in The Hill last week from a right winger, was passed on to me from a supposed left winger. Not a supposed left winger, an actual one. I know him. But like too many on the left, he has fallen prey Yes, just as the House GOP has, to talking points literally straight out of the Kremlin. And while there are many out there uh, calling out Trump and his Republican Party at this point for becoming useful idiots for Vladimir Putin, few, if any, are calling out those on the left who have done the same thing, who have fallen for it, even at the potential cost of Western democracy. Now, I know we've got uh, quite a few of those listeners uh, who listen to this show who agree with those Kremlin talking points. I know because I hear them uh, via email to bradcast at bradblog.com or on my Twitter or Facebook feed at the Bradblog, or even as callers into this program. As I recall, just a few weeks ago, one caller echoed the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin talking points by claiming that Putin was just trying to denazify denazify Ukraine. Even though, by the way, 
Ukrainians, uh, Ukraine's President Zelensky is actually Jewish, its defense minister is Muslim, but sure, they're all Nazis. And Russia is just trying to protect us from them. Really? So I would love to hear from some of you today, those of you who don't support aid to Ukraine. I would love to know why. I really would. 818-985-5735. I guess, uh, you know, someone has to call out the left, and I guess today that someone is me. And I promise I will be nice if you are. I'm not going to allow you to use our public airwaves to spread Kremlin talking points, if I can help it, and at least not with respondent, without responding to those points, or if you can support them, so be it. But this is a big problem, as I see it, on the left, not just on the right. And this includes shows you have heard on this station here in Los Angeles, shows that you might hear every night on this station, who are, as coincidence would have it, Repeating Kremlin talking points, often word for word. Raise your hand if you're willing to fight to the last Ukrainian. And they need to be called out. Because I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. I don't know if they know that they're passing on disinformation. But now we know that they are because we have the documents to show it. And by the way, to my friends who are anti-war, as I am, uh, while, you know, it's okay. It's okay to support Ukraine in their war defending themselves. You can support them and, you know, you can be anti-war while also being anti-hostile invasion and anti-war crimes, as I am and as many of these folks once were. I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. If you, you know, if if you have been sucked into believing that the U.S. and Europe should uh, somehow force Ukraine to negotiate with their invaders who could simply leave to end this war, we could call on them to leave. 818-985-5735. Someone needs to open up this discussion. I guess that falls to me today because... Though the left in this country is the tiniest sliver of our public airwaves, frankly. If we believe in free speech, this is a discussion that needs to be had on our public airwaves because a lot of people that I like are being wildly and horrifically misinformed and disinformed with Kremlin propaganda. And if there's anything I can do to call it out, I think I should. 818-985-KPFK is my phone number. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with your calls right after this. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Sinus infection and all, please forgive me. Thank you for sticking with us. 818-985-5735 is our phone number if you are actually a part of the left who disagrees with supporting our Democratic friends in Ukraine to help them defend themselves against the fascistic, totalitarian, uh, autocratic uh, foreign neighbor who has invaded them. That would be Russia and Vladimir Putin. Let's get right to your calls. We'll try to keep it uh, short and sweet with everybody so we can get to as many as we can. Bill in Santa Monica, uh, you disagree with me. You think that we should not be helping Ukraine. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Why is that? I just want to know, how far are you willing to push Putin? In other words, are you willing to help Ukraine to push Putin out of the Crimea and back into Russia? Uh, push them out of the Crimea. Am I willing to do that? Is that really yeah, the question well, right now? Is that is that the yeah, question right. right now? Yeah. Because right now, the question is, do we fund them so they can continue to fight as they see fit, as they fight for their own country, right? No, I'm asking you. Putin wanted the Crimea mm-hmm. because he was seeing he was being surrounded by NATO. He needed an outlet for his naval... Okay. Um, well, you just, Bill, you, you just repeated. History, yeah, you just repeated a whole history, bunch of. No, of not, yeah. No, that's what's happening in the Russian history. Yep. Have you ever known them to attack west of the Rhine ever? Bill, what you just said, and this is why I spent so much time before the break. What you just said is literally Kremlin propaganda. This idea that well, he is. I, don't sur- know about Kremlin I, I know you don't. I know, about history. I know you I know don't. About we'll, history. we'll get to the history in a second. I just want to point right. out that this claim that he is fighting this war because he's surrounded by uh, NATO and feeling threatened. In fact, he has said he's not threatened by NATO. He doesn't mind if other countries join NATO. We know that that's true because Finland and Sweden, they just joined NATO and he hasn't invaded them. So your feeling is because history says he's not going to go beyond a certain point. There's nothing to be afraid of. And we should allow him to keep the territory that he has taken in Ukraine. Is that right? Well, the point is, Brett, you can't do anything about it. Secondly, after the Berlin Wall fell, we said that they w- we would never go east of the Rhine. And now we're up. Uh, NATO is up on his doorstep. We've invaded that country before. I don't know how many people mm-hmm. know that, but we have. Mm-hmm. They've been invaded through, well, when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, they called it the Polish Corridor. Mm-hmm. When they set up after World War II, sure, they set up buffers of communist states as a buffer against them being attacked directly by a country from the West. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, well, the reason I'm against defending Ukraine, because when is this going to stop? Okay. If, if the Russians are surrounded, they will go to nuclear war. If they mm-hmm. think they're going to lose, they'll go for the tie. Okay. And that will so, destroy this so planet. So because and we're – because – well, hang on. Bill, let me, let me respond. Okay. You, you made a whole bunch of points, okay? So, a All whole right. bunch of them. So you feel because you fear him, because he's got nuclear weapons, that we should let him take the nation that he has tried to take. Is that essentially How what you're arguing? How are you going to stop? stop Well, the people of Ukraine are in a war with them. The people of Ukraine are trying to stop them. The people of Ukraine have done a pretty damn good job after two years of stopping what was supposed to be an invasion that was going to take a week and uh, Kiev was going to fall. 
But I don't understand. If someone with nuclear weapons can blackmail the entire planet, what keeps uh, North Korea, for example, from invading South Korea? And when they do, we shouldn't push back because they have nuclear weapons. Right, Bill? Well, I got news for you. Nobody's going to be able to push back against uh, nuclear weapons. If mm-hmm. one, this is not 1939 or 1945. I agree. You're like comparing a Model T to a brand new Rolls yep. Royce. I hear you. Nuclear right. weapons will destroy this planet. And if Putin, if Putin feels that he'll be defeated, he will go to nuclear weapons. Uh, that Article 5... And, and what, about Kim, what about Kim Jong-un? If he feels he defeated, he'll, if he, he'll use nuclear weapons, so we should also allow him to take a sovereign nation? Really? Has he done it yet? Has he done it? But if he does, you're in favor. Well, no, that's an if. Has he done it? Well, you know, once... Folks like Bill, once Bill, no, I'm not. Nobody nobody with nuclear weapons attacks anybody in the modern world unless you want to see the planet destroyed. Right. But Russia, but Russia just did attack someone with nuclear. They have have nuclear nuclear, weapons. They don't have nuclear weapons. Russia doesn't have nuclear weapons. No, Ukraine doesn't have nuclear weapons. Okay. You mentioned something before I let you go, Bill, because there's a lot of people that agree with you here, and I want to give them a shot at it, too. But you mentioned um, this notion that uh, NATO would not move one inch to the east. Uh, It's something that also we hear from the Kremlin. But there was another deal. I heard it it from George Kennard, but go ahead. All right. Well, I don't know where you heard it from, but I can tell you where it originates from. That said, there's also something called the Budapest Memorandums, which were signed by Russia in 1992 after the fall of the uh, Soviet Union uh, as the Cold War ended, in which they promised in exchange for, yes, Ukraine's nuclear weapons, give us those weapons and we will protect your sovereignty and your border. If you give us your nuclear weapons, we will make sure that nobody invades you. Oh, Bill hung up? That's weird. Why did Bill hang up? I don't know, but you should probably continue with your point, well, which is that uh, that Ukraine and Russia signed an agreement. And yeah. Russia said we aren't going to invade you because you're giving us the, your the, nuclear the weapons. Right. Exactly. At the time, Ukraine, I think, was the second most powerful uh, nuclear power in the world, on the planet. And there was a big agreement with Russia and Ukraine and a number of uh, European uh, Union nations. Give your uh, nukes to Russia And Russia will make sure you are never invaded. And gosh, look what happened. (sighs) Let me go to uh, Tom in Irvine. And I'm sorry, I went longer than I wanted to because I want to try to get to as many people as I can. Tom in Irvine, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Well, I think Bill hung up because you just exposed him for the hypocrite that he is. You, you you, You just illustrated how... Well, he said oh, North Korea won't invade or hasn't invaded anybody yet. And then you just gave him an example of Russia, who has a nuclear weapon, of someone that did. So, Yeah, I mean, not to mention that if, if you give the example that, hey, look what uh, Putin did. He invaded a neighboring country. We'll let him keep part of that country because he's got nukes and we don't want to set off a World War III. Well, then you have just sent a message to anybody who has nukes, like North Korea, to invade anyone you want. We're not going to push back because that would set off World War III. It's madness. And even if it doesn't matter that it's madness, I disagree with it. Uh, Guys like Bill do agree with it. That's fine. But the point is, 
they are repeating the arguments of Russia. They are repeating the propaganda coming straight from Russia. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just terrified. And I don't know why they're afraid to fight. It's the same thing. They're afraid to stand up to Trump for the same reason. Like, well, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't have him be off the ballot because we're afraid he'll do something. Oh, so what? Do the right thing and then fight for the right thing. That's it. That's it. Story. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. You're right on the money, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. I actually thought he was going to disagree with me. Let me try a G in Glendale. Maybe G disagrees. Hey, G, welcome to the broadcast. Mr. Friedman, how you doing? I've been trying to call you for a while, especially last month when you had two uh, people that were not thinking straight. One wanted to vote for RFK Jr., another one wanted to vote for Trump. I was going to set them straight. You kind of did. Uh, let me set this up. I'm from the Islamic Republic of Iran. I'm Muslim, even though I don't believe in God. Uh, I'm not Persian-American or Muslim-American. There's no such thing. I don't live in America. We live on stolen land. No such place as America or Canada or Australia, New Zealand or Israel. Now, that being said, I'm the cat that broke the dam. I'm the one that called Mr. The first person that called Mr. Garland Nixon and told them that you, Mr. Friedman, were talking behind his back. And after I said that, mm-hmm. a bunch of other people started calling up and all that stuff. So just to let you know. Uh, and just, a, just a G, um, G, hang on, G, just to let everyone else know, Garland Nixon is someone who used to be on this station. He literally works for the Kremlin. He does a two-hour show five days a week that is paid for. Uh, it's it's literally it's on a network called Sputnik, which is funded by the Kremlin. And he was coming on our airwaves here with the show every week and not mentioning who he who actually pays his salary. He's gone now. Thank God. A little bit less Kremlin propaganda. Uh, but uh, there you go. Well, actually, he's still on uh, D.C. He's still out of uh, Chocolate City. He's still on in D.C., I believe. And we're going to try to get him back. Not that I agree with everything. I've, you know, I don't believe he should be having that clown from the Twitter files on who goes on all these right-wing racist, uh, white supremacist, Zionist shows on AM radio, whatever. Is, uh, I just heard him yesterday the day before uh, on one of them shows. Uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, I don't believe he's – I think he, him and uh, – Let's get to the Max point because I'm coming up to the top of the hour, G. I'm sorry. You're, give, me, give me your uh, – uh, your best argument here in a sentence or two. No, I just don't, uh, you know, I'm, no offense. I've already talked to Mr. Uh, Mr. Um, uh, uh, interim general manager a few times about uh, Tom Hartman and yourself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the only problem we have on Pacifica Radio. Right. We have you guys on the liberal side, but then we have uh, uh, right-wing Republicans that work for AM Radio on Pacifica as well, like Donna Walker and Ziri Radu with her evening news that spouts propaganda, uh, AM Radio mm-hmm. racist, white supremacist, Zionist propaganda every night from 6 to 7. So right. we're being pulled in different directions. It's not just, right. you know, Thank- I'm not just... Thank you, G. And I'm, I'm, I'm not cutting you off here. I'm only trying to move on because a lot of people want to get through. And uh, the point is there's a lot of different points of view here, uh, which are good, which it's nice to have different points of view. What's not so good is when transparency disappears, when, uh, you know, people pass on propaganda without making clear where the information comes from. Or in many cases, they don't know it's propaganda. So that's why we're talking about it. Let's go to Matt in San Luis Obispo. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast. Very quickly, what's on your mind, sir? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, see if you could point out the differences between the 2000 
2014 invasion of Ukraine by Russia and the current one. And then one, one other note, um, uh, which I, I, I was wondering, I haven't, I never heard you comment on, I'm sure you heard that recording in Gaza about the, with the 15 year old girl calling to her uncle or whatever. And then the, the machine gun fires open up and another little six year old girl calls the Red Crescent Society asking for someone to come. And I, I, everybody else was talking about it. I'm just curious why you didn't mention that. And do you yourself feel that genocide atrocities are going on over there? Because I, I just don't hear that. Okay, well, that's a large and different topic. No, I haven't heard those tapes that you're talking about, so I can't comment on them one way or another. Uh, I think wow. what... Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, kind of a lot going on that I'm trying to keep up with every day. But uh, that's... Yeah, that's a pretty big one. Okay. Sorry, I haven't heard the tape. Uh, as far as what Israel is doing, yes, I think it's an, uh, an atrocity. I think it's horrific. Whether it's genocide or not, that's a separate matter. That's actually a legal term, so I don't need to go there. I think what Israel is doing is, is, is horrific. Got it? Uh, yeah. Did I answer all the questions? No. Okay. No, no, no. What about the invasion, uh, the 2014 invasion? What do you feel the difference is? Um, because well, this we was a complete. This is a complete invasion of the entire country. That was an invasion of just uh, the, the 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 Donbass, essentially the eastern portion of the country. That's the difference. And now yeah. they're all in. It's the same invasion. They never left. It's not a different invasion. It's the same one, Matt. All right. Gotta, okay. Gotta go. Great. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Charles in Redondo Beach. Hey, Charles. Welcome to the broadcast. Quickly, sir, because I'm coming up on the top of the yeah. hour. Yeah. yeah, I'll be real quick. Yeah, just I'm not left, right, or anything else. I just know we have our own problems in this country and to send money overseas for, you know, when we have homeless problems and drug mm-hmm. problems, et cetera, it's pretty, pretty wrong. Okay. Excellent uh, point. And I'll respond to it to say that it's not either or. It's not a matter of if we send money to Ukraine, then we can't send money uh, to deal with the homeless situation. It's not either or. That's just not how our monetary system works. We can do both. If we want to, uh, Mike in, thank you for being quick about that, sir. Mike in LA, welcome to the broadcast. Go. Yeah, Brad, I'm afraid that whole uh, argument between you and Bill was pointless verbal uh, dispute because, as it happens, two years and one day ago, uh, Mr. Putin said he would not be unveiling Ukraine. So there's no problem. Yes, he said he wasn't going to do it, and then, of course, he didn't do it for the past two years, right? And, by the way, there was people on this station arguing that Vladimir Putin would never be crazy enough to invade Ukraine. He would never do that. He knows better. And then, and then he did it. And when I pointed that out back then, oh, you know, Brad is just a whatever. I'm a neocon or something like that. Thank you very much, uh, Mike. Uh, this is going to be 30 seconds apiece at this point. Lightning rounds. John in Santa Monica. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Okay, Brad, I think you're falling for it. Would you, would you have supported the Vietnam War for the domino theory and the freedom of the South Vietnamese? Nope. Because I'm, I'm back from the 60s. And let me tell you, the CIA is corrupt, the FBI is corrupt, and all this is is a gigantic uh, a swindle of money okay. from the taxpayers to the military-industrial complex 
and then they give a kickback to the politicians and the bureaucrats. Okay. I don't buy Thank you. Wars. Thank we you, John. A war Thank you, John. In my lifetime, Thank you. Meant a damn thing. All right. Thank you, John. I would just note uh, the Kremlin agrees with you. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you're both right. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me get to. Uh, uh, do I have a dime? Uh, yeah, I got one more here. Uh, Mar- oh, and it looks like Bill called back. He says our system disconnected him. Yes, it does appear our system did. Remember, sometimes our phones get a little glitchy here. So my apologies right. to Bill. Our apologies to Bill. Uh, very quickly, we got 30 seconds for Marwan in Orange County. Hey, Marwan, haven't uh, talked you to you for a while. I'm doing bad? okay. Sorry to give you short yeah. shrift again. 30 seconds. Go. Not a problem. Not a problem. So very quickly, we can't talk about Russia and Ukraine without talking about Israel and Palestine. And I oppose the sending money to any other countries. We need it here in the U.S. Our country needs it more than anybody else. Gotcha. We have issues, yeah. internal domestic issues and issues that we have to work on it. And we send money to overseas. Thanks, Marwan. I appreciate those thoughts. And I would only underscore that, again, it is not either or. We can do both. And anyone who has led you to believe otherwise is lying to you. Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thanks to my board operator, Wendell Handy. Thanks to all the callers today. Apologies. Uh, More and more people wanted to get in. I couldn't do it, but we will try to do it uh, at the next available opportunity. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. And you can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and site still known as Twitter, I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.